Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I have a special guest today, Tashawn Reed, senior writer at The Athletic, covering the Raiders, the NFL, and much more. He got Mark Davis on the horn to talk to the Raiders owner after the firings of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. First, I want to tell you about Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access anywhere at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Like I said, where we start is with the news of the week. And the man who brought it to us, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic, he is the winner, by the way, of the Pro Football Writers Association's Therese A. Paler Emerging Writer Award for 2023 as well. Tashawn, thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Pat. Um, I want to start right away. I mentioned right off the top, you got Mark Davis on the phone. And this is the first interview where we get behind the scenes of what happened with the news of the week. So I wanted to start by asking you from that phone conversation you had with the Raiders owner, what do you see as the top three reasons why he pulled the plug on the Ziegler McDaniels regime? Yeah, I think the number one reason has to be the lack of progress that he saw this season. Obviously last season didn't go well. They went six and 11 after making some pretty big moves in their first off season, trading for Devontae Adams and signing Chandler Jones and, re-signing some of the key members of the franchise, such as Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. That year didn't go well, uh, but he didn't you know, make a, a rash decision and, and fire the staff after one year. He wanted to give them another year to give them, give them the chance to show that they could improve. But early in the season, that wasn't fair. You know, they started the season one and three, and even if, after they won a couple of games to get up to three and three, the, the wins weren't exactly impressive. They beat a lowly Packers team and Patriots team. And then they went out there and got stomped on by the Bears on the road with, with Tyler Tyson Bajant at quarterback <laughs> in a pretty embarrassing loss. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, was a sign to Mark Davis that progress hadn't been reached. Uh, but I think even, you know, with that, you know, there, there were some other reasons as well. Um, I would say the second reason is the locker room really seemed to sour on the previous regime. Um, oh. You know, whether it was. Uh, you know, this offseason, I think coming off of last season, we saw the NFLPA had a survey where, um, you know, they, they basically said that the coaching staff was too demanding, kept them for long hours, uh, wasn't as open to, to feedback from the players and things of that nature. And, um, you know, the staff did make some adjustments coming into the season and the coach, the players felt like they, they had more of a voice this season. Um, but ultimately, this is a production based business. And when, once the wins weren't coming. Um, you know, and they had some of that, that prior context of some issues that they had in the past. It was really just sort of, sort of hard for them to believe in the direction where the team was coming. And that's why last week they had a, a sort of open floor meeting between players and coaches last Thursday going into the Lions game um, to sort of clear uh-huh. the air. Um, anytime you have that type of meeting, you know, tends to be some issues going on internally. Hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think the the third note um, that, that really, you know, did it for them was – just the way that they lost against the Lions. The defense, while it wasn't good, they, they had a bend but don't break approach and held the Lions to field goals pretty consistently in the first three quarters of that game. And the game was right there for the Raiders. You know, they could have competed and maybe even won that game, but they couldn't because the offense was awful. And that's 
why you hired McDaniels in the first place. I mean, he, he made his name as the Patriots offensive coordinator for years, you know, designed some of the best offenses in the league with Tom Brady, but also showed he could do it with guys like Matt Castle and, and Mac Jones. And um, that's why he got this job. And, and for the offense to be that bad with the amount of money, or the, the, the money that they're spending on offense, you know, between some of those names that I, I listed earlier and, you know, he has his own quarterback this year and Jimmy Garoppolo after getting rid of Derek Carr last year. I mean, it's hard to point the finger anywhere else when it comes to the offensive struggles. And so the combination of those three things, the lack of progress in terms of wins, um, the issues in terms of the connection with the locker room, and then the the just not just offense not being good, but the offense being one of the worst in the league. I think the combination of those three factors were, were the biggest reasons why, you know, Mark Davis made that change on Tuesday. Matt, it's great insight. So did can I take from your answer that so from my perspective, I think from a national perspective, their fire their firings in the middle of their second year, even though it was going that badly, still caught a lot of people off guard that it happened this early, this soon, even this early in this season, even if it was going to happen in year two. But it almost sounds to me like did this not catch you as off guard as it caught the rest of the country? The outcome didn't necessarily catch me off guard, but the timing did. You know, as you said, it's only eight games into the season. Um, I mean, they're, they're going into matchup with the Giants and the Jets and feasibly could have maybe gotten back to 500 and, and brought themselves back into contention this season with nine games left to play. Uh, but it was more of a cumulative decision. You know, over the course of these 25 games, Mark Davis just hadn't seen many reasons to believe. And. Um, you know, while it's early in this season, you know, it's not just about this season, obviously. It's not like last season went well and then suddenly, you know, they got off to a, a slow start this season. Like the entire thing didn't go well. And, and that's what he had in mind. And so it is early in the season and, and, you know, plenty of coaches make it longer than this. But it's kind of hard to to argue with his decision given, you know, the lack of results that he's seen so far. Yeah, no, for sure. And if you guys didn't already, go check out Deshaun's story, um, you know, talking directly to Mark Davis. He gives his insight. But that talk, the the stuff you just shared about the locker room, too, I find very interesting. You hit on something, too, that I'm watching that game on Monday with no knowledge of the fact that everyone's going to lose their jobs the next day. But Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun, explain to me, of course, it's on Josh McDaniels. It's on Mick Lombardi. It's on the whole regime. They can't get the offense working, especially with some of the pieces. But is some of this like is Jimmy completely shot or was there just no connection from coach to quarterback? Was he afraid of getting hit? Because I, I know, you know, whatever you think of him as a player, like pe some people think he's a better game manager. Some people think he's not a very good player. He's been propped up by town around him, but I've never seen him play. Like I saw him play the other day. And so I, I still come away even with the firings wondering what's going on there with him. Yeah, I think with Garoppolo, there's it, multiple factors, um, you know, with, with, with the offense, um, you know, he, he was obviously, you know, new to the team, but he also got off to sort of a weird start because, you know, he had foot surgery in March uh, when he signed with the team and that forced him to miss OTAs. And even though he was familiar with McDaniel's system and then they played with him in the past with the Patriots, um, yeah. he had been in a completely different system for several years with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and, and also, you know, didn't know many of his teammates and had to familiarize himself with them as well. And, um, you know, he was still in the meetings and whatnot, but when you're off the field, um, you know, in OTAs, it's just not the same. And so he got around to, to you know, getting back on the field and training camp and was able to have a full camp before the season started. 
But then pretty much as soon as the season started, he started having issues in terms of staying on the field. I mean, he, he suffered a concussion early in the season that forced him to miss a game. Then he suffered a back injury against the Patriots that forced him to miss the second half and missed the next week. And so he was kind of in and out of the lineup. And so he has sort of a, a clunky integration into this team. Um, and, and then, you know, I think another part of it is just this is really his first time where he had to be sort of the engine of the offense in terms of it being a pass first offense. A lot of those 49ers offenses that were successful had a great run game in addition to, you know, all these weapons. You know, they had George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, um, one of the best play callers in the league, et cetera. But this Raiders team couldn't run the ball. Like they, they're one of the worst, if not the worst running team in the league. And so they basically had to air it out on offense to try to have success. And that's just not the type of quarterback that Jimmy G is. I mean, he's short to intermediate, uh, you know, more of a game manager, yards after catch guy. But they needed him to start airing it out down the field and, and throwing more in a game than he was used to. And so it wasn't really a, a role that we've seen him be successful in. Um, and then he was just making bad decisions out there. Like like, like you said, I, I'm not in his head. I can't really say. But, I mean, he was forcing, forcing balls into tight windows. Um, throwing the ball carelessly out there. Um, he seemed like he had he was a little skittish in the pocket. Like the offensive line has actually been pretty solid when it comes to pass protection this season. But when it mm -hmm. came to those true passing situations like third downs or, you know, you, you know, times running short or you're from behind and everybody knows you have to throw the ball, it did seem like he got a little bit rattled. Um, you know, it had happy feet in the pocket to a degree. And so I think it was just a combination of factors for why he wasn't playing well this season. Um, but he was, you know, there's no way around it. I mean, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I mean, we, we missed 10 quarters and was still leading the NFL in interceptions. And so um, it, wow. was, it was hard to justify that contract that they gave him three years, three years, 72 and a half million with, you know, nearly $35 million guaranteed. And um, even with that contract, you know, pretty much tying him to have a pretty big financial hit next season, whether he's on the roster or not. That's why they've gone ahead and made the decision to bench him and start Aiden O'Connell, the, the rookie quarterback out of Purdue, and see what they have in him uh, moving forward in these these last nine games of the season. Man, what a interception stat that is! That's excellent. Uh, not so. Before we get into the Giants game a little bit and preview that, from talking to Davis and then also from knowing this team as well as you do, what do you envision being the right coach for this team in the future? Like I saw in your story, Davis said. It was kind of alarming. He basically admitted, like, I've gone into all these searches, uh, you kind of knowing who I was going to hire already, <laughs> which is yeah. it's a whole other conversation. But what do you envision in general would be like the type of coach maybe this team would respond to best in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, coming off of McDaniels and something that, you know, interim coach Antonio Pierce has been lauded for, you know, today was the first day of the open locker room. So the players got to talk was just his personality and how much he's leaning into energy and, and, and giving the players a voice and sort of, it makes sense. I mean, you know, he's, he's a former linebacker. He played in the league for 10 years. Like that's his personality. He's this fiery guy and, and that's how he rolls. And he, and he sort of brought that to the table and energized the team. We'll see if they're any good or not the rest of the season. But I think somebody that the team can sort of galvanize and, and really has those leadership traits and qualities is going to be really what the players want. And that's what worked for them the last time this team had success when you know, John Gruden, um, you know, resigned early in the 2021 season and interim head coach um, Rich Bisaccia took over. He wasn't a rah-rah guy, but he was really big on interpersonal relationships with players and knew how to connect with the locker room on a foundational level. He wasn't an offensive mastermind or defensive mastermind. He was a special teams coach, but it didn't matter because he had the ears and the hearts of the guys and they were able to rally around him to make the playoffs. And so a lot of those players from that team are still around, you know, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, yeah. et cetera. 
Um, and so I think that's what the players would like in terms of Mark Davis. I think it's too early to tell. I think he, I, I do think he's recognized, you know, some of his mistakes, as he said in that story in the past about being too siloed on individual candidates. Um, you know, his last couple of coaching hires have been offensive focused, but I don't think he's a guy that necessarily like has to have an offensive coach or a defensive coach. Um, I think he's going to go into this one with a pretty open mind and, and cast a wide net in terms of the candidates that he's looking for. And I think that's for the best. Cause I mean, obviously this franchise, I mean, this is, going to be like their millionth different head coach uh, <laughs> since, since I've been alive. And uh, it's been several of them already that Mark Davis has run through. And so something isn't going right in terms of their ability to pick head coaches. And so I think casting this net as wide as possible is their, their best move moving forward. And real quick, I noticed a note when he talked to you about hiring Pierce as the interim, he mentioned when I sat down and interviewed him, did how many, do you know, even like how many, guys on the staff he might have sat down with and interviewed or did he pick Pierce first and interview him to vet him properly and make sure but like that was his pick like do, do you know anything about how um, that worked I'm not exactly sure how many guys he talked to yeah. about potentially having the job um you know I, I, there were other guys on 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 the staff that that would have made sense I think Patrick Graham defensive coordinator comes to mind but yeah I think his intention was he wanted somebody that you know didn't have to worry about play calling because um, I think that's something that we saw, you know, McDaniel st struggle with was balancing the head coach stuff along with being the primary offensive play caller. And yeah. so I think having having a coach who didn't have to worry about that stuff, but also still had enough of a presence and, and, and respect within the locker room to to be a leader that could control, I won't say controls the word, but sort of guide the entire team. Um, he he kind of wanted the combination of those two traits. And I think Antonio Pierce ended up being the guy that, that gave him the best blend of that. And again, that's sort of what worked for them last time when Basaccia took over. Sets up for a great game with Pierce coaching his first game against his former Giants team. He won the Super Bowl with the Giants back in 2007. So it gives us a lot to write about, some fascinating storylines to Sean. All right, Took, taking up enough of your time, I just want to get out of here by asking you about, let's preview Sunday's game. And specifically, when I ask you about Aiden O'Connell, the rookie quarterback out of Purdue, I know he's played a little bit this season, but I'll just put it to you. Do you think O'Connell can beat the Giants? Is he good enough right now to win a game? Not that the Giants are some world beaters, but their defense is playing well, and Wink Martindale blitzes a lot, so sometimes that gives young quarterbacks some trouble. So from a guy who's there every day, just want to know from you, how do you think the Raiders can fare in this game? Specifically, how can their rookie quarterback handle what the Giants might throw at him? Yeah, it could be tough, I think, for O'Connell. Uh, I mean, we saw earlier this season when he made his first career start against the Chargers um, with Garoppolo out to, due to a concussion. Um, he had some flashes and, and moments where he looked good, but he also, you know, had three turnovers and made some pretty costly mistakes and took a lot of sacks and held the ball too long in that game. And so, but that's, that's there's going to be natural growing pains when you're a rookie. And, and the only way you can work through that is with reps. Um, but this is, like you said, a tough matchup. You know, he's going against a good defense with a, experienced defensive coordinator who's aggressive and, and knows how to heat them up. And again, this offense has not been good this year, really, no matter who's at quarterback, like they've struggled. And so um, it's not like he's stepping into like Brock Purdy last year, taking over an offense that's already running and just hit the ground rolling. You know, he has to sort of help revive this offense that's been struggling all season long. Um, but within that, you know, I think the Raiders have a decent shot to win this game. I think I'm going to pick them to win this game because their defense has been playing pretty well and this Giants offense mm. is a mess right now I know they have some things up in there quarterback not 100% sure who's going to be out there but I, I think the defense can hold up against them and 
the offense may not have to score 35, 40 points to win this game. Ideally, you know, I, I, I think O'Connell can, you know, get the guys energized around him. I think Pierce as well, taking over as an interim head coach, is has sort of, you know, injected some some emotion into this this team as a whole. They're mm. at home, um, you know, coming off a pr- couple pretty bad losses, and so I, I think this this is playing up for for a Raiders win this week. Wow, I love it. I'm picking the Raiders too, by the way. Interesting note as well. I was talking to guys in the Giants locker room uh, today, Thursday. And there's actually a lot of Giants who know O'Connell well because Micah McFadden played at Indiana. Dane Belton played at Iowa. uh, Deontay Banks at Maryland. And they all played against O'Connell in college. So, you know, even though he's kind of brand new to the league and all, the Giants are a young team too. And there's a lot of guys who are pretty familiar with him, which is Mm -hmm. just a a fun dynamic there as well. Um, Last one, get you out of here on this, Deshaun. This is, well, first of all, this will be the last NFL stadium I have to see a game in. So I'll have done all of them. Very proud of that. But I'm going to be in Vegas for an extended weekend, uh, looking for some stuff to do, places to eat. I've been there before, but not for a while. So if there's one thing I got to do, one place I got to hit, one thing I got to see, what is it? That's a tough one, man. Um, (laughs) It's kind of crazy right now with Formula One underway, the construction and all that. But I say go off strip, talk about food, go to Esther's Kitchen. It's an Italian spot, downtown Vegas. Home, they make, I don't say homemade, but like all their stuff is uh, prepared in-house and fresh. So pretty good meal, you know, uh, you know, get some, get some good dinner and, and you know, start, start your night off. I'll, you know, you can go from there. There's plenty of options, but I think, I think getting, a good, getting a good meal there is a solid start. I'll figure it out from there. That's awesome. Tashan, thank you so much. This has been Tashan Reed from The Athletic, senior writer, NFL Raiders. Again, go check out his story uh, and all of his coverage. He interviewed Mark Davis about the firings and also looking forward to seeing you in the press box. Remember, everybody, we are sponsored by Bet Online and also by Estate 98 Coffee. It's an Essencia Day Cafe from El Salvador dating back to 1798. Takes three seconds to make a nice coffee. Tablespoon in a glass, ice, stir, you're ready to go. I drink it all the time when I'm doing Talking Ball. Tashan, thank you so much for making the time. We know you have a busy week here. Looking forward to Vegas. All right, man. You have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.